Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, conversations with the diabetes care team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, Research Manager at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Cannabis oil, or CBD, seems to be everywhere these days. The market is still very new, and while increasing amounts of states are legalizing CBD, products and regulation have not kept up. Cam Capoccia, a doctor of pharmacy and certified diabetes care and education specialist, joins us today to share what you should know in the event that you learn one of your clients is using CBD. She'll briefly summarize what CBD is and some of the marketing claims around it along with some vital information to help you mitigate the risks with CBD products. A quick word before we get into the discussion. If you'd like to catch up on the latest research shaping the future of diabetes care and education, then check out ADCES's core research journal, The Science of Diabetes Management and Self-Care. The latest issue of this member-only publication can be found online at diabeteseducator.org forward slash TSO. And now on to the show. Cam, welcome to the huddle. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Well, we are so pleased to have you, especially since we're talking about this really, I'm going to call it a hot topic because I'm mm-hmm. hearing more and more about it, um, probably because it is being legalized in states across the nation. And, and, you know, we've had some fantastic discussions about this, you know, some of the benefits and some of the concerns that people have. So I'm really excited to jump into this conversation in this sec. But, you know, before we jump in, I usually love when people can introduce themselves to our listeners, just because it lets people know, you know, a little bit about your background and what you bring to this area. Wonderful. Currently, I am the vice chair and professor of community care at Western New England University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences in Springfield, Massachusetts. My clinical practice, I run a consultation and wellness center, which is located in a local grocery chain. So big Y, world-class markets. And at that center, I provide a, uh, an accredited DSMES program, accredited through the ADCES, to the adult Springfield community. It is a free service. And so we're, we've been doing that now for a little over 10 years. I'm also the residency program director. We have two postgraduate pharmacy residents uh, with us that train in the center. So lots of education being provided both to patients and, and other healthcare providers. Uh, but I, I've been working and practicing in diabetes for almost 20, 25 years now. So, Oh my gosh, and you look so young too. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah it was uh, my claim to fame in, in diabetes is as a, a co-investigator on the ACCORD trial, 
way back when. So that's where I started. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. Okay, that, that is a claim to fame. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, and I love hearing people that, that, you know, do research and bring their research to teaching and then also bridging it to clinical practice, mm -hmm. which is really amazing. It is not the easiest thing to do. So I, I love having conversations with people like you. But okay, let's jump into the, this, this conversation because it's, it's a really hot topic. So what is CBD and why is it important to people with diabetes? When we're talking about CBD, we have to back up a little bit and look at the overall picture of, of where it comes from. It comes from the cannabis plant and the cannabis plant uh, really has several species, either marijuana or hemp. And so CBD is the non-psychoactive component of hemp. Now, hemp does have a little bit less than 0.3% of THC, which is the psychoactive component. But really, when, we, when we're talking about CBD, exclusively CBD over-the-counter products, they're really coming from the, the hemp plant, as opposed to the marijuana plant, where the majority of that is the psychoactive component of THC, which has uh, varying concentrations and, and very little CBD. CBD is, gosh, it's everywhere now. So we know, you know, we see it in our, in our gas stations, in our grocery stores, uh, in our, our retail stores, uh, cosmetics. It's, it's a, available in a variety of formulations. And why it's important for people with diabetes and for us as, you know, diabetes care and education specialists to be aware is one in seven Americans are using CBD at this point. We, we have a lot of qualitative data to, to demonstrate that this is pretty common in a variety of people in ages. So uh, the uh, UC San Diego uh, published a, a, a study in October of 2020 from a senior clinic. So these are adults 65 and older, and 53% of those adults were using a cannabis-based product on a daily or weekly basis. So if you think about that number, and then you think one in seven Americans, mm -hmm. when I'm seeing patients on a daily basis, for me, that's anywhere two, three, or more people walking through the door a day who are using CBD that I may or may not know about. Mm -hmm. So it's very common, and, and that's why it's important for us I think as diabetes care and education specialists to really pay attention and ask the questions and provide education and facts to the best that we can. Well, I love when you conceptualize it like that, because sometimes I think it is this thing, like, you know, it's behind closed doors, people aren't talking about it, but really like half the people walking in your door are using it. And it really is about, we've had this conversation about creating this place of trust so people can talk to you, so you maybe can learn why they're using it and what mm -hmm. the interactions might be? Certainly. Yeah, we, from the studies, when looking to the literature, the most common reasons why people use CBD products is for treatment of pain, whether that pain is neuropathic or chronic pain or malignant pain or arthritis. And then the other common reasons are sleep disturbances, anxiety, and or depression based on what we know about why people are using it. And then the folks who are coming in to see us, a lot of people with diabetes have neuropathic pain, have depression, uh, have trouble sleeping. And, and so sure, it, it, it could certainly be more common. And, and for me in practice, it's part of my history taking now. 
when I'm meeting with a patient, it's it's asking in a non-judgmental, sort of open-ended question manner so that they can feel comfortable, you know, sharing that information. Uh, I may say CBD is available in, in lots of different stores and people use it for a variety of reasons. Have you tried CBD or are you curious about it? What are you using it for? Just to sort of open that door of, of communication uh, to allow them to, to share if it's on their mind or they are in fact using it. So you say that you talk to people about it, that it's one of the things that you ask people about. So, I mean, that that leads me to, are, are there interactions? I mean, should we be having more conversations about this or should we just not worry about it? I think we should be talking about it and we should be talking about it more. There is that, you know, stigma or, you know, secretiveness about it. Uh, is it legal? Is it not legal? CBD, when it's derived from hemp, is legal. It's federally legal. Now, that may be different in your own state or your own, you know, sort of local town, but but CBD, when it's hemp-derived, is legal. But even more so, there are drug interactions. There are food interactions. This is certainly not without risk. And the importance of prescribers and the healthcare team knowing about it is to evaluate for those risks. You know, for example, warfarin, Coumadin, is a, a very common blood thinner that older adults are on. Well, using CBD can increase the risk of bleeding, can increase the effects of warfarin, and, and that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. Um, so uh, there's several drug interactions that you know, we check for and look out for. So it's a really important aspect of if your patients are using this, providing that safety net. So how is CBD regulated? You said you mentioned this. Is it it's state by state? And how? And so so how does? Yeah. How? I mean, can you talk a little bit about that so we mm-hmm. can understand it? So the regulation of CBD is a moving target. It's evolving and changing regularly. When we talk about CBD that's derived from hemp, that is legal federally. When we talk about CBD that is derived from marijuana, that is not legal federally. So as you can imagine, the different states have different regulations uh, regarding whether it be medical marijuana uh, or cannabis-based products. But CBD derived from hemp is legal federally. And this all started, this came from, uh, in 2018, the Agricultural Improvement Act, also known as the Farm Bill in 2018, took CBD out of the Schedule I Controlled Substance Act. And that allowed hemp to be um, grown in the United States for a variety of uses. The, it's the FDA that has oversight over hemp-based product. So when we say oversight, it's not the regulations we think of when it comes to things like prescription drugs. This is similar along the lines of our over-the-counter herbal or nutritional supplements in the sense that they do not require any type of efficacy data or quality. So that can make it challenging in the sense that when you are looking at that product, you're really not sure if what's in the bottle is what they say is in the bottle in terms of quality and then the efficacy data isn't isn't there. The the manufacturers do not need to prove efficacy. That makes me think a little bit about risks. And is that 
So uh, obviously things we regulate to, miti to mitigate mm -hmm. risk. So what, what are the risks associated with this? There are some great risks. So not knowing how much to use or how often to use it is, is really an uncomfortable space. So coming from a pharmacist where I know the starting dose, I know a maintenance dose, I know the max dose, the toxic doses, you know, we, we have data to support that. There are no regulated or validated dosing recommendations for CBD products. So that's a, that's a pretty scary realm to be in. And the formulations vary. So you have an inhaled product, which has an onset of five to 10 minutes versus a product that you ingest, something like a gummy or a cookie, where that could take anywhere from 30 minutes to upwards of several hours to actually work. Right. So if a, a, if a patient isn't aware of those differences in onset and the duration, I mean, some of those ingested products last 24 hours. So if a, if a, a person with diabetes is maybe trying a gummy for neuropathy for some, you know, neuropathic pain, not knowing that it may take a couple hours to work, they may redose. And then you have double the dose. And there's just, there's some real unknowns and some real risks associated with that. And it's, it's important that, you know, we, we need standards. We need more oversight over the, the cannabis products and in, in industry. And that brings me, you know, kind of circles us back to where we started, which is if we can have these open conversations with people, create an environment of trust. Mm -hmm. We know what they're using. We know what they're, and then we can help them balance this a little bit. So maybe we can jump into really the good stuff for our listeners, which is what can they do? Like how, how can a DCES or a diabetes care and education mm -hmm. specialist, what, what would be your recommendations for how pe they can work with people with diabetes? Yeah, I see our role as opening that door of communication and, you know, getting that history. And, and when we have a person with diabetes who is using CBD, depending on what the formulation is, then to provide that education and that education around what evidence is available for whatever they're treating. Uh, so it's, you know, what are their expectations? So if we have a person who's using it. What are they using it for? And what are they expecting to gain from using that product? Oftentimes, I recommend uh, for people to journal. So write down how, when you started it, what you were expecting, how you were feeling, and then track. So is if you're using it for pain, is the pain decreasing? Rate the pain, you know, so that you can follow this over time. Are you experiencing any side effects? And they're certainly not without side effects the you know stomach side effects are the most common nausea vomiting potentially diarrhea journaling allows for that reflection okay you know this is what i'm using is it working but it also helps with the dosing because we don't know what the doses are so was you know this x number of milligrams or this amount of extract enough it it just it's a a great opportunity to really track the safety and efficacy of whatever product they choose to use. So the person with diabetes, the diabetes care and education specialists are really part of a larger care team. And what if you don't always see eye to eye? I mean, have you been in those situations where you don't see eye to eye with everybody across the care team? How, how do you manage that? I have been in those situations and it does happen. People have their own opinions when it comes to marijuana, cannabis 
based products, whether it be medical marijuana or CBD, I don't offer my opinion explicitly unless asked for. My, I, I consider my role as being that of providing facts and providing education and sticking with the evidence and, and what we know. And that's patient-centered care. And so it's, it's up to the patient to make that final decision of whether they choose to use it or not. And we, as part of their healthcare team, are there to support. Uh, and so while there may be providers or prescribers who, who don't agree with it, I don't offer my opinion. I allow you know, them to make those choices and I'll support around that. I mean, the evidence, there's some evidence out there, but what's uncomfortable for us as clinicians is the fact that we don't have the large randomized control trials that guide our therapy. We don't have those landmark trials that, that with those outcomes that we're looking for. We have small case studies, maybe a, a study with 30 people in it, maybe 70 people in it. There's only a couple of randomized control trials. And, and so we don't have that evidence. And that's what makes us feel uncomfortable. But you do the best you can with the information that we have. And there's information coming out on a daily basis. I mean, it's, this is definitely a hot topic, as you mentioned, and we're learning more every day. Oh, and with that, do you think that there, I mean, should be more research or have you heard of more research on the horizon? I agree with you. There absolutely should be more research. What's challenging is this is already a billion dollar industry. And so coming from the manufacturers and the, the farmers and the growers, they, they don't need the evidence to support it. People are using it. And so we, we may not get the evidence that we want. And in addition to that, you know, regulating and providing the consistency and quality of those products in a study is is challenging. There is one article that I found fascinating published in 2017 in the Journal of American Medical Association where these researchers bought 84 different CBD oil products online from 31 different countries and they took these products and sent them to labs to be tested to say, okay, is what's on this label on this product in the bottle? Mm -hmm. Now, 43% of those products were underlabeled, meaning the CBD content on the label exceeded, was exceeded in the bottle by more than 10%. 26% of those products were underlabeled. So they had more than a 10% difference less in that bottle only 30% of those products were labeled accurately. That's a problem. But who's going to do something about it? Because people are buying them anyway. So it's, it's really, you know, the, it really calls for the, the regulations and standards uh, that, that we need in this industry. But again, the money is already there. So it, it, there's really not, there's a need from it from a medical standpoint, from the, you know, from a clinician perspective. But People are buying it. You know, that, that is such an interesting perspective. I mean, it's common sense. You can, you know, you can see it. But like, unless somebody says it to you, you're just not going to think about it. Because walking, walking into this discussion, I'm thinking, why don't we have more research? What's going on? But you're absolutely right. Why would there be? It's already being sold because it's, well, because it comes down to money. We're coming near to the end of our time, and I always like to save a couple minutes at the end just to, to give our give people an opportunity to 
like say a call to action or a crystal mm-hmm. ball or where do, where do you see the future of the next few years going? And, and so a call to action for diabetes care and education specialists. Ask, inquire, mm-hmm. be curious, open the door for communication and, and ask in a non-judgmental way so that we can provide better care for our patients. I, I think that's really important. When it comes to staying up on the evidence and providing the, the information that we have, gather your resources. There's some good resources out there, the Natural Medicines Database. You know, our resources are now adding these drug interactions into their system as we discover them. So I think it's really on the diabetes care and education specialist to, to ask, learn, and support. I'm going to remember that. Ask, learn, and support. You have it in, in my head now, Cam. So. <laughs> well, hey, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been the best conversation, and I'm so excited to share it with our listeners. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. For those who are interested, uh, I am presenting a similar talk at ADCES 21 this summer uh, in August. So on the, the Saturday of the meeting, I'll be presenting more information. I will be in the audience asking questions. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle. What an eye-opening conversation. If you're in a state where CBD is legal, the chances are pretty high that a person with diabetes in your practice is already using a CBD product. Take the initiative to ask about CBD use at intake or any assessments. Taking a non-judgmental stance or asking open-ended questions allows you to assess for any potential risks or drug interactions, all while preserving the trust and relationship you've established with the individual. If you're interested in exploring this topic further, Cam will be presenting, as she said, at ADCES 21 this August. Registration is now open for the conference, so head over to adces21.org and sign up today. For any additional notes and resources from today's episode, check out the show notes at diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast. And remember, ADCES membership gets you free access to resources, education, and networking that improves your practice and optimizes outcomes for your clients. Learn more about what ADCES can do for you at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.